Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Past and the Curious. My name is Mick Sullivan. I am the host of The Past and the Curious and the author of the upcoming book, I See Lincoln's Underpants. This episode is the 11th installment of The Underwear Chronicles, which are a total of 14 chapters from the upcoming book. Now, when the book comes out later this year, there will be a total of 16 chapters. So there's extra stuff and a whole bunch of other things in there that are really fun and really interesting. And many of them are very funny. This episode, which is the 11th installment of the Underwear Chronicles, is about John Wesley Powell. And he's somebody that we've covered before on the show. So much of this will sound familiar. But as everything else from the book is... Um, it's, it's filled out more, it's written differently, uh, and there's more details and context added. So even if that's like your favorite episode from five years ago, I, I think of it as probably about three years ago, then there's still new content here. So enjoy it and uh, try to imagine whitewater rafting down the Grand Canyon. <laughs> There are a lot of dead people in Arlington National Cemetery, and that's pretty normal for a graveyard. But as America's most famous cemetery, Arlington also attracts hundreds of living people every day. Here's the thing though, if a zombie apocalypse were to ever happen, and I'm not saying it would, but if it did, Arlington would most certainly be the worst place to find yourself. Because it's filled with many of America's toughest people, the place would be crawling with some equally fearsome zombies. So plan any visits wisely. The place isn't just filled with soldier zombies to be, though. Under other gravestones, visitors would find the moldering bodies of United States presidents, the bones of a few astronauts, as well as the remains of a one-armed man named John Wesley Powell. The epitaph on his headstone reads, 1834 to 1902. Soldier, explorer, scientist. Now, Powell's story of narrow misses and incredible escapes is hard to fit in a book, let alone a waist-high stone marker. The guy was lucky he made it to 1902, honestly. It could have easily ended for him way back in 1869 when he was risking his rear end for science. If not for one particularly important pair of underwear, not only would he have died, but his body would have been lost completely. He certainly would not have enjoyed the honor of eternity in America's most hallowed ground. Instead, poor John Wesley would have slowly deteriorated in the blazing western sun, been gobbled up by Grand Canyon creatures, or been carried away like a capsized canoe on the Colorado River. He owed a lot to that pair of underwear, which is remarkable since they weren't even his underwear. Powell was born in New York to parents who were the good kind of troublemakers. His father was an abolitionist, which meant he worked to end slavery in America. Not everyone agreed with him, and his outspoken beliefs created constant conflict with neighbors. Thanks to angry mobs at their doorstep, the family was forced to pack up and leave several times in the middle of the night. Each time, they headed farther west. After New York, they fled Ohio, and then the family was chased out of Wisconsin only to finally settle down in Illinois. John liked learning when he first started school in Ohio, but the local kids never took kindly to him. He believed this was because their families disagreed with the elder Mr. Powell's views on slavery. Once, John Wesley had to sprint for the safety of home while the bullies on his trail hurled sticks, stones, and hurtful words. Rather than send him back to school, 
his parents hired a private tutor, and it was a momentous and lucky decision. Not only was the tutor a great teacher, but his house was a mini-museum filled with fossils and arrowheads and mineral samples and so much more. In the 1800s, Earth was a big blue ball of mystery. People just didn't know much about it, and science was still developing as a field of study. John and his teacher would be among the curious few genuinely searching and studying in hopes of determining Earth's true age. Many believed our planet was only hundreds or perhaps thousands of years old. John Wesley Powell's teacher reasoned it was actually millions of years old. And the teacher recognized a natural curiosity in John. And together they spent many hours poring over books, maps, and specimens. Often they'd get dirty poking around riverbanks and dense forests to see what interesting things they could uncover. And when he started college, John found himself pretty bored with what the professors were teaching. When it came to the subject of science, he had already learned more than most of the teachers knew. So he dropped out and floated down the river in a boat. Nearly every single day, he would park on the bank, take off his shoes, roll up his pant legs, and plop his bare feet deep in the mud. When his toes felt the rough ridges of a muscle deep in the muck, it was brought to the surface and excitedly added to his growing collection. Now, John Wesley wasn't a braggart, but his muscle collection was known to be the finest muscle collection in the United States, if you're into that sort of thing. John definitely was into it. Unfortunately, he had to leave his massive muscle shell collection behind, along with his new muscle-indifferent wife, when the Civil War began. When Lincoln made the call for troops in 1861, Powell was among the first to join. It was a great thing to destroy slavery, he wrote, and the mud-loving brainiac was a good soldier, and his talents lent themselves well to map-making. Making sense of the land was valuable for the Union Army officers, but he also soon became a leader on the battlefield. Eventually, he earned an artillery command of his own. Despite the horrors of war, he never lost his curiosity. If his men were digging trenches or earthworks, he would often follow behind, scouring the upturned earth for more fossils to add to his collection. At the famous Battle of Shiloh, he lost his arm. A Minet ball fired from a Confederate rifle smashed into him as he was signaling an order to his troops. And like the arms and legs of many soldiers, the appendage was amputated, tossed in a gruesome bloody pile, and soon forgotten about. While many mourned the loss of their long-gone limbs, Powell only looked towards the future, and before long he was back in the battlefield where he stayed for the remainder of the war. When the Civil War ended, Powell grew bored and restless. He worked as a teacher, but quickly realized that he was not cut out for the four walls of a classroom. As the years went by, his itch for adventure only grew itchier. It seemed like the itch was always just out of reach of his one hand. With maniacal enthusiasm, he told people of his dream to conquer the Grand Canyon. Understandably, they were flabbergasted. No one of European descent had successfully descended the gargantuan and turbulent Grand Canyon. And now, this man was going to try? They wished him luck, and then they laughed behind his back. The more he thought about it, the more excited he got. Colorado River had flowed through the stony landscape for eons, and the constant power of the water had eroded the earth, leaving deep cuts and towering walls. Nowhere else on earth was there such an opportunity. To the eyes of Powell, 
Seeing these features up close would be like gazing into a hidden history of the planet. All of his life, he had pondered the mysteries and learned more about America's geology than nearly any other person alive. So it made perfect sense in his mind. He'd take a crew of men down the river, draw some maps, observe the deep cuts in the earth for clues, and spend hours on the steep shores and steeper walls of the canyon collecting specimens for study. He hired a team of men, and he bought some big, clunky boats, which were not ideal for the journey. And to make things worse, the men had to paddle backwards, blind to the rocks and the twists that the river constantly delivered. When they were on the rapids, these skiffs would toss their bodies around like tennis balls in a clothes dryer. In order to keep himself out of the water, he mounted a cleat to the floor of the lead boat, to which he tied a rope. While riding, John Wesley would lean back with all of his weight and hold the rope tightly with his arm. Sometimes he was able to stand up, but usually, like the others, he bounced and bobbed and bashed around the boat. After committing to the heavy boats, Powell did anything else he could do to travel light. Bringing enough bacon and flour to feed the flock of hungry explorers for weeks on end was the main concern. So, after the bulky food was packed, Powell tucked a select few scientific instruments and packets of writing paper into the boat's bits of bacon-free space. Weight and mobility would be an issue on the river rapids, so he insisted the crew carry little else. Despite this, one of the men suggested bringing a few pairs of red flannel long underwear for everyone on the mission. This idea struck Powell as a good one. The underwear would be warm on cold nights, and it wouldn't add too much weight, so permission was granted. The leader probably never considered the many other uses for a nice pair of long johns. But one day soon, he would thank his lucky stars for making the right decision. Now, each man left with several pairs, but faster than you can say, itchy flannel in the summer sun, most of their carefully packed stuff was gone. The boats rarely made it through a day remaining upright. Overturned boats regularly sent the paper, the bacon, and even some of the underwear floating down the river, much of it never to return. Before entering the canyon, the river water was pretty smooth and easy. However, when they reached the gurgling rocky rapids, the men realized it was pointless to even bother with outer clothes. Sure, the soaking wet fabric was uncomfortable, but when they were inevitably flung from the boat, the extra weight made drowning more likely. So they ditched their clothes in the name of safety, finding it easier just to row in their underwear. They surely would have been a sight to see if anyone had been around to see them, but the Grand Canyon was not the tourist destination then that it is today. The boatload of wet, smelly men in their underwear crashed into nearly every rock in the wild river for miles and miles. Just as he had been during the war, Powell was fearless. Nothing stood between him and his goals. The whole reason for the trip, why everyone was risking their lives, was to learn all that they could about the exposed earth of the canyon. Each new specimen was important to Powell's research, so he would do nearly anything. And he was the kind of boss who led by example. Luckily, his men were paying attention. One day, after hours of exhausting work trying and failing to dodge river rocks, Powell and a man named Bradley decided to explore the steep cliffs looming above their heads. With two legs and an arm, Powell daringly scaled the face of the rock wall. The equally brave Bradley led the way, remaining just above Powell as they pulled themselves higher and higher. 
The climb was going well for the pair, until 800 feet above the ground, Powell found himself with very little to grab a hold of. He did not panic, but it was clear that he had become stuck on a narrow, rocky shelf. The not-so-dependable tree root in his hand was the only thing keeping him from tumbling backwards to his doom on the rock-hard ground far below. Remaining as calm as he could, his eyes scanned around his perch for a way to scramble to safety, but there was nothing he could do. Powell realized that he had chosen a terrible path, and there was little hope. Most people would agree, this should have been the end of Powell. It was no Arlington Cemetery, but as far as resting places go, the spot had its own special beauty. Fortunately, his climbing partner had taken a different path and made it to a perch safely over Powell's head. Bradley's face peered down from above, but it brought no relief. No matter how Bradley stretched or strained his arms, Powell was out of his reach. With their muscles fatigued and aching already from a hard day of rowing, both men realized that they were running out of time. Powell couldn't hold on much longer. Quick thinking led them into one conclusion. The only way out of this pickle would require Bradley to take off his long underwear. Now, naked on the narrow ledge of a rock wall high above the river, Bradley hid any signs of birthday suit embarrassment. In his hand, he held his red flannel long underwear, which he hoped would be stout and long enough to pull Powell from the perilous predicament. He dangled the Long John lifeline over the ledge until one of the legs hung near Powell's hand, which was tightly clasped onto the tree root, keeping him from falling. Powell took a breath. He let go, and he grabbed the undies at the very instant he began to fall. To both men's relief, the underwear held, and with a steady tick-tock motion, Bradley was able to pull Powell to safety on the ledge beside him. It didn't take Powell long to recover from the ordeal. Unfazed by staring down death and defeating it with dirty underwear, he was eager to get back to work. He may have failed to fully appreciate his role in the most harrowing underwear rescue in recorded history. He thanked his naked friend and went back to digging fossils. The rest of the trip was long and difficult, but luckily the remaining long johns were only used for keeping warm on cold canyon nights. Powell made many important discoveries on this journey, which he used to fill in the gaps of his understanding of Earth's natural history. As a scientist, his discoveries made an impact still felt today. He was also one of the first to realize that America's plans for settling the western part of the continent would be complicated by the lack of fresh water. Despite his warning, little action was taken. And still today, water supply is a problem for many western states. Powell actually returned a few years later to complete a second Grand Canyon journey. And this time, he brought plenty of rope. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in your ears in a couple of weeks with the full episode for uh, for September. Yeah, September of 2022. Uh, it's going to be about an artist and an escape artist. Hmm. Who could that be? Anyway, I'm Mick Sullivan. This has been The Past and the Curious. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.